to learn something tonight. How many of you want to walk out of here knowing something you didn't know when you came in? Yeah, that's kind of a big thing we do at our house. I always ask the boys, how was your day? Fine. Well, I knew that. Tell me something I didn't already know. Because I like to learn. How many of you love to learn? Get your brain stretched and your minds renewed and good things. Amen. So uh, before we get started, I want you to pull out a piece of paper and a pencil because I am a, uh, I am a person that likes to watch people take notes. Now, I will look maybe at your notes and I don't want to see doodling. I want to see brains working. Okay, so because we're going to really, I'm going to, um, we're going to get into some stuff here tonight that is going to be very, very fun. Amen. How many are ready? Then after you get out your piece of paper and your pencil, you get out your Bible. Hold on to your Bible for me right now. What do you, did you know, I don't know, I've just, is that your Bible there? You got that Bible? That must be really small print. It is. Wow. But I can read it. I used to have a Bible like that. Now I got this baby <laughs> because uh, my, my eyes don't want it. Do you realize that people died for this? This very Bible that you're holding in your hands. Do you realize that down through the years there have been people that have been asked to lay their life down for the contents of this book and they did? Blood has been shed because of this and it's sitting in your lap. Lives are changed because of the thing that's sitting in your lap. This is not just a book. This is God's word. This book has been sold more than any other book in history. Right here. You're holding it. Number one bestseller ever. There have been wars raged over this book. And wars continue to rage. And I will tell you that more wars will rage. And you are right now, in this moment of time, you have the opportunity to be alive and living, breathing, amazing, ready to go alive with this book in your hand. And my question is, what are you doing with it? Do you know it? I don't know. I know some of it. Yes. Do you know some of it? There you go. I don't want anybody to feel bad because they don't know it all. I don't know it all. So, you know, if you were to ask me, do you know the Bible? I know some of it. But the more that we learn, the more we understand, and the more that we will step into a place where we are willing to lay our lives down for this book as well. So hopefully over this next little while, we're going to be learning about Genesis. And I love Genesis because it is so revealing of who God is and what God is. John, you are amazing. Did you see his broken arm? He fell out of his truck. Your hand is looking better. Stretch your hand out towards him. In Jesus' name, Lord God, we just declare healing on that arm. In Jesus' name. It will not be months like you've been told. It will be weeks. Amen. Pain better? I'm getting better. Amen. Only when you breathe? Man, that's a lot. That's all the time. Okay, so this Bible. I'm hoping here tonight to open up this Bible. Uh, to you and, and Genesis. So now I have to find my note page after all that yapping. All right, who's going to win tomorrow? Oh, there we go. We got that figured out, right? We got that all figured out. I like it. Okay, so I get my, my eyes out so I can read as well. Thank you for being patient with me. The boys have come home this weekend. I was talking to somebody, and they were saying this was their favorite holiday. 
They called the Super Bowl a holiday. It's really getting big now. I was like, I don't think it's a holiday. Well, we don't work. I know, it's a Sunday. I don't know. Anyway, we will win. We will go forth and win. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of review. Do I have, who's back on my projection? Are you ready, Michael? Because we're going to just fly through this, okay? So now open your Bibles, that book, that mighty book that people have shed blood for. And uh, we're going to read out of that thing, okay? So get that open. Uh, We are not going to, however, read Genesis 1 because we've already read that many times. So if you have not read Genesis 1, then please do. Um, It's a lot of, and God created. The word for God in that first chapter, who remembers what that word is in the Hebrew? Elohim. You got to get a in there, okay? Elohim, okay? And uh, Elohim, who remembers what that means? This is, it's going to get a little bit more deep here. Elohim is the word or the name for God when he is referencing him in relation to the universe. Okay? Elohim, the God of the universe, the amazing, mighty God who through the breath of his word sent forth and there was light. And the first thing he did was create light. In the beginning, God created light. So that's Elohim. And so it goes through that whole chapter, and it talks about how good everything was that he created. Amen? Every time he created something, it was good. Right? He created the earth? Good. He created the sky? Good. He created the vegetation and all of that? Good. He created um, the animals? Good. And then when he created man, what was it? Very good. Very good. Okay, so we're going to pick up here um, at the end of chapter 1. We're going to start here with uh, verse 27. Now, what I want you to do, we're going to do a little exercise here. I want you to get your brain thinking for all of you who have been in my teachings along along the way, or maybe you're just here. You got your piece of paper and pencil out. I'm going to read the next chapter and a half. And as I read, I want you to write down things that you are hearing in the word as being the truth of how life was prior, you know, during this section. Now, there's sections. Okay, we've, we've learned about creation. God created the earth, right? And then um, a couple of my last teaching was about what was the world like? What was earth like during the pre-fall time? So that was between creation and when Adam and Eve sinned. Okay, that's, that's a ch- chunk of time. And we don't know how long that time was. Could have been a day. Could have been a week. Could have been years. But we know for sure that it was an amazing time because there was no sin in the earth. No sin. So I'm going to read through that time. And I want you to write down things maybe that you remember from our previous sermons that I taught, the teachings that I taught, or what's kind of clicking in your head of how life was like. What was the world like during that time, okay? So write it down. Are you ready? You've got to engage your brain, okay? So we're going to start here. Actually, I'm going to start with verse 26, Genesis 1, 26. I'm going to read it slowly. You write down things that you remember uh, pertaining to this pre-fall Time, okay? Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Hold on, hold on. Is God one? 
I barely got through the first sentence. It's not even the first sentence, and I'm stopping. Let us. Remember what I taught you about Elohim? It has a singular form, but it means plural. It's a very odd word. So when God called himself Elohim, he was already saying, there's more in me than just one, but I am one. I am one. I am no, I am one, but there's multiple within me. He was addressing the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right then, immediately. He's setting forth this theology of the Trinity. Now let me tell you what, if you don't get the Trinity, it's okay, no one does. It's a mystery. It is an absolute mystery. So if you don't understand how God can be one and yet three at the same time, join the crowd. Because we're all in it together. It's very true though. An apple is three things, a peeling, a meat, and a core, but it's one apple. And it can be separated. It's kind of hard to put it back together again. But of course, with God, it kind of ends with that. They can come back together again, okay? But that's what a trinity is. Elohim. Plural yet one. Okay, let's go back to our word. Okay, are you writing stuff down? Good. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the bird of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all creations, creatures that move along the ground. So God created in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. What did I say about that the last time we were together? Anybody remember? Have babies. Have babies. Birthing babies is a godly command right here. Right? I'm looking around at all of you guys. Get married, then have babies. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Be fruitful and increase in number. Do not abort those babies, but let them give them life. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and uh, fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit in, with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds on the air, in the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has life and breath in it, I give every green plant for food. So what did, what did anything alive eat? They were herbivores. At this point, there was no meat eating. Let me remind you, if, if you were to eat meat, what would happen to that animal? Has death come into creation yet? No. So they couldn't even kill to eat at this point. It was all vegetarian. Got it? You're writing that down, right? I'm giving you hints of things to write down. Um, and so it was. God saw all that he made. It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Chapter 2. When the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, by the, oh, thus the heavens were and earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all his work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Now from that 
reading there, we understand that it has not rained yet. During this period of time, there, were no, there was no rain. God watered the earth from springs that came up. All right? And I also taught you that actually back in this time frame, in the pre-fall time frame, there was a canopy that covered the earth and kind of uh, protected the UV rays, rays from coming through. And uh, so there, it was like a greenhouse effect in a good way. So it kept the climate temperature at a, a solid temperature. It didn't go up and down and all this crazy stuff. It kept the UV light from coming through so uh, life was able to live longer than natural. All right? So we have this firmament kind of thing. Where were we at? Verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a human being. One thing uh, Pastor Brian said last weekend that just has reverberated in my heart. Saturday morning, he taught us that when God reached down, and this is purely his idea, but I love it, so I'm going to say it again. When he reached down and he had formed man out of the dust of the earth, out of the clay of earth, he was laying there formed. And the Bible says that, that we just read that he reached down and he breathed into the nostril. He called that the kiss of life. Dr. Brian said that actually that word connotates a kiss. Can you imagine? The God Elohim reaches down and he breathes into Adam and gives him the kiss of life. And I loved how he described that when his eyes, when Adam's eyes opened, what was the first thing imprinted in his soul? The face of God. And from that moment on, human DNA is imprinted with the face of God. And therefore imprinted in, within our DNA is a desire for him. Are you my mother? You know that book, Are You My Mother? The little baby bird that was born, and then all of a sudden the mom gets taken away. Where'd the mom go anyway? I can't remember where she went. To find food. That's right. She needed food for her baby. So then the birdie's like, I know you're here. Where Are you my mother? How many human beings are walking around going, are you my God? Are you my God? You are imprinted in my soul. I know there's a God. I, I yearn for a God. I yearn for truth. Are you truth? Seeking. And I love that concept. Could it be that when God breathed the kiss of life into Adam and he imprinted the sight of God Almighty, that was the first thing he saw coming into his mind? Love it. Love it, love it. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees Grow out of the ground. It's pretty funny now. He starts talking about trees. Why not flowers? Trees. Trees to grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for fruit. You're going to hear that in just a little bit again. And it's going to be a a very interesting moment. But these trees that God made, they were not normal. They were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So how many trees did God plant? 
A lot. So there's three categories of trees here that I see. The first category is just trees. Trees that are good for food and pleasing to the eye. Food for mankind and animal kind, right? So general food trees. Then there's two more trees, two specific trees. What are they? Tree of life. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Get that in your head. General trees and two special trees. Okay? Now he's going to talk about rivers. I haven't figured out the significance of these rivers. And everything that I have read about says that um, these rivers, after the flood, got totally changed. And so even though there's some that are named the same of what we have, they're gone. And I'm not, I don't know the significance of them, so sorry. Remember I told you I know a lot but not everything quite yet. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and from there it separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It winded, uh, winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Oh, so there's gold all over in Eden. The gold of that land is not just regular gold. What is it? It's good. The gold of that land is good. So in other words, there's probably gold of other lands that's probably not so good, but this land is good. Got it? Um, and aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. And the, land, the name of the third river is Tigris, and it runs along the east side of, the Ashur, of Ashur. And the fourth river is the uh, Euphrates. Okay, so there's the, the rivers. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Everybody say that. Any tree from the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Let's stop right there. So there's only one tree you can't eat. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of all the other general trees and you can eat of the tree of life. So I'm going to put before you right now, and I I had thought this, and I'd thought this, and I thought this was my new only thought, and I was the first one to think it. And so I was, you know, wow, I think I've come up with a new thought, only to find out that it's been thought before by many, many, many of the church fathers down through the ages. But it is believed that man and animal ate of the tree of life in the garden on a continual basis. that they were intended to live in a perpetual state of where things are at. And they were required to eat food, so their body needed sustenance. Because all the trees of the field and, and everything with seed in it was there for them to eat. So they had to eat. And they drank from the rivers to quench their thirst. And they ate of the tree of life to renew their biological body. So Adam and Eve and all the animals of creation partook from the tree of knowledge to renew their life, to sustain their life. But there was only one tree they couldn't eat of. Which one was that? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Okay, so we're going to learn about that one. How many of you ever re- wondered really what that tree was about? Okay, I'm going to talk to you about that tonight. But we're going to finish reading this, okay, if you don't mind. All right, here we go. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God formed... Okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, let me keep going. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground of the beasts, all the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, and he brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that it was named. Now his mind... Think of his mind, how amazing it was to come up with language for all the millions, millions of creatures named everyone and remembered them. Adam was an amazing, mighty creature. His DNA was perfect. His mind was perfect. He was very, very, very smart. And so are you. Say, I am smart. Good. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was no suitable helper to be found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Now, remember when I taught on this, we talked about the fact that just a few verses back, after God God had finished creating everything, he said he was finished. He said he was finished. But now there's one more thing that needs to be done. And I want you to see that Eve was never created. Eve was brought forth from Adam. Adam and Eve, the masculine and feminine, when God made Adam, he made it all. It was already created. Within Adam, he held both. And at this point, God said, well, you have you and you're so complete, but you don't have another. You don't have an other. So what God did, and Adam saw that. He saw the animals coming by. They were male and female, male and female, male and female. Where's my other? So God caused him to go to sleep. And instead of creating something new out of the dirt, God reached into the side of Adam, grabbed onto feminine, and pulled it out. He did not create anything. He separated when he made Eve. He separated. Male and female are linked together because when we come together, we complete. We complete. And when we as humanity seek for completion, when we we seek friendship, we're not seeking completion. We're seeking reflection of the same so we can understand. Girlfriends love girlfriends. Because when I'm with my girlfriends, I look at them and, and I think, oh, you think that too? Oh, I do too. And all of a sudden, I'm relating with what is the same with me. Guys like to hang out because they get each other. They are the same, right? But when we seek for completion, we cannot seek for completion in sameness. We have to seek for completion in other. Okay? So God completed creation on the seventh day. But he separated on this day. He separated. 
Then the Lord God made woman from his rib, and taking, he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And said, the man said, now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. The actual Hebrew word here for woman is she-man. She-man. It's a she-man. It's a female male. It's just like me, only it's female, it's feminine. Get it? Now, the Latin word is woman... It's man with a womb. That's how you get that word. So there's sameness, there's equality, there's, there's coming from the same place, just separation. Not one better than the other. Not one over another, girls. We are not over our men. We are side partners. We work together. Now there's an order of authority and I don't have a problem with that. But anyway, okay, we got to keep moving because i got new stuff for you. For this reason, a man and woman, uh, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no, ashamed, no shame. Let's read that out loud. Ready, begin. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Okay, you're all laughing at me. Okay, so they had a great time, right? They did, because that sex was invented by God. But I want you to hear something here. They were naked and felt no shame. Now, this is the last statement pertaining to pre-fall. Before sin. Because the very next sentence, now the serpent was the most crafty of any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And now we are in to drama. So the last sentence, the last statement of what life was like, what was the original intent? See, what I just read to you is original intent. And the Bible talks, or you know, a lot of theologians believe that in the Bible, when something is first mentioned, that tells us what the first intent was. And that's what God absolutely, number one, desires. So everything that we have just read, this whole description and everything I gave you, get the past teachings. It's great about what they have found archaeologically during this time and and crazy, wonderful things that prove this out. But what we find, that last sentence there, they were naked and not ashamed. I really got into that. And what that says, the word naked means totally exposed, clear Absolutely able to see all the way through to your very center core. Nothing, nothing hidden. Everything is bare. Yet they felt no shame. What is shame? Shame is what you feel when you don't like what's inside. Shame is when something isn't quite right and you're embarrassed. The word shame there means to look away. It means to can be confused. It means to hide. It means to, it, it, shame carries an amazing thing. And humanity, every one of us, walk in shame. But it says here, pre-fall, 
God's original intent is that his humanity would walk and not be shamed, be full of shame, not have any shame. I want to be so known. I want to live in such a way. I want to be such a human being that if you could look in and read my thoughts, I wouldn't be ashamed. I wouldn't turn away. I wouldn't have to hide. I wouldn't have to pretend to be something else. That's how they lived. They were known by each other and they were known by God so purely. Can you imagine? Standing before God, walking with him and talking with him and not having anything. He knew his thought. He knew their thoughts. And there was no shame. There was no hiding. There was nothing to be embarrassed of. There was nothing to say, oh, uh, don't look over there. I'll give, you, I'll give you everything but this over here. You know, we'll just shut that door. Okay. Naked and not ashamed. We're going to get back to that. Actually, some, some theologians and scholars say that they were not clothed. They were naked, but that they were clothed in the glory of God. That the glory of God covered them. Isn't that a cool thought? Incredible. Absolutely Incredible. So let's get back to these trees, because we're going to get into this tree thing. Let's uh, go ahead and start at verse 1 of chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. More crafty. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, tell me what was the truth. What did God say? You can eat from any tree. Except, which one? Good, you guys are getting it. So Satan now is twisting. Do you realize how, what Satan does? He'll come to you and tell you God's words, but he'll change it just a little bit. Just a little twist. Did he really say that you couldn't eat any tree from the garden? Right? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat, from, eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, remember we talked about that, good for food, and it's my guess she was probably hungry at this moment. What if she was hungry right now? And all the other trees were way too far away. She was just right here. It was handy. It was good for food and, desire, and pleasing to the eye. Beautiful. Desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. I would highly recommend you get my CD teaching on wisdom about this. Talking about the comma moment. See that comma sitting there? It was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, comma. I think all of creation hung right there 
How long she paused, I don't know. How long she considered, I don't know. But she broke God's command. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Apparently, the fig leaves weren't enough to hide behind. Now they're hiding in behind bushes. Can I just tell you something? Fig leaves are inadequate to hide behind. They're not quite big enough. I'll get back to that. But the Lord... They hid from God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Who finds that funny? I find that funny. It was her. (laughs) Then God, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, it's the serpent. He deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals and you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity Anger, you will become an enemy. There's enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pain and childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife, wives in this room, can I just tell you something? I'm going to give you a hint right now. Never say anything to your husband that God isn't already saying. Eve spoke words against God to her husband. I don't ever want to say a single word to help direct him or to influence him that God is not saying. I am slain by that thought. Eve said words to Adam that God had not said. To Adam, he said, because you listen to your wife, men, you can't listen to us when we're wrong. Don't listen to us. Lead us. Women, be led. Sometimes Dwayne looks at me and goes, you're wrong. I hate that. I hate that. I have to take a deep breath. I walk away. And in the depths of my heart, I know he's right. Because <sighs> I'm saying things in my flesh. And it's going to impact our direction. Don't. Say things. Women, watch out what's in your mouth. 
because we don't want to talk anything that's not spirit-led and God-driven. We don't want to direct our husbands to do things that are contrary to the will of God, even if we don't want it. I didn't want to start this church. Back in the day, I didn't want to start this church. He came home from work. We had a perfectly fine job being a youth pastor at a perfectly fine large church, going perfectly fine, hundreds of kids in our youth group, having a blast. He comes home, he's going to, we're going to start a church. I looked at him and said, no, we're not. God is not saying that. Yes, we are. No, we're not. (laughs) What would I be doing tonight? You know what I'd probably be doing? I'd be working in a hospital somewhere. Doing nothing. Well, something, but you know, not sharing the word of God with you. Amen? Where was I? Because you listen to your wife, men don't always listen to us. Lead us. You hear from God too. Listen, you get into prayer. I can't get off of this one. You get into prayer and hear what God says and lead us women. We need to be led by mighty men of God. Not perfect men of God, but godly men who are seeking after him. Oh, there's nothing better than a woman that's covered by a godly man and told to shut up sometimes. Ladies, Mickey, (laughs) Julie, that would be yours. (laughs) Take care of him. Eight of the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat. Curse is the ground that you will of you because of you through painful toil. You will eat of it in the days of your, all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Now this sounds way different than eating the trees that are beautiful to, oh boy. And you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You, brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken and dust you are and to dust you will return. In other words, now you will die. Now you will die. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all things. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, man has now become like us, knowing good and evil. Everybody say, and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand now and take from the tree of life and eat and continue and live forever. So the Lord God now banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden cherubim and flaming sword, a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So much is going through my head right now. Way back in chapter uh, 2, where God told them and commanded them, do not eat of the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for if you do, you will surely die. The word die means to begin to die and continue to die. That act of disobedience removed mankind from the ability to reach out and eat from the tree of life. So when they lost that ability to continue to eat from the tree of life, they began to die. And they continued to die. Do you understand? Very, very interesting. So he had, to, he had to remove them from the garden because if he, he didn't, they would continue to live. And if they lived with sin in their hearts, they would continue to reproduce of that kind. Okay? So much to say right now, but I just got to stay on track. Stay on track, Joel. Stay on track. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about these trees. 
First of all, remember, there's three kinds of trees. Number one, there was, what was the, the first group of trees? Common trees. And they could eat of all of those, right? What's the second tree we learned about? The tree of life. Now, I'm going to tell you something. After doing a lot of research, the word tree actually truly means literal tree. So most scholars believe that this, these were true trees. Wood, branches, leaves, fruit. Okay? Not a whole lot of, oh, you know, maybe. No, no, no. They were trees. And um, they were actual trees. Um, and once again, uh, the, the word life there, tree of life. Let's talk about the tree of life. The tree of life, the word life means alive, to keep alive, nourish, restore, revive, preserve, quicken, become fresh and strong. So do you see it's not just one bite and then you live forever, but it was a tree that continued to bring life. It's a tree of perpetual life, reviving and restoring. I want you to get that in your head. Tree of life. That other tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Once again, the word tree is a literal tree. The word knowledge means personal keen awareness. awareness. Write that down. Knowledge. The word knowledge means personal keen awareness. If you know something, it's inside of you and you know it. You're really aware, right? So this tree had something to do about very personal awareness. It was the tree of personal awareness or knowledge of good and evil. Now, it's very, very interesting because the word good here is the same word that God used that he called creation all through the first chapter. Good, 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 good. At this point, Adam and Eve had no knowledge of evil. They only, they had a very personal, keen awareness of good. They were living smack dab in the middle of good every second of every day. They knew good. But this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's why it was so important. Now, Adam and Eve were were to be perfect in everything, right? Perfect in everything. How could they be perfect if they never were tried? They didn't have a choice. Something to follow. Remember uh, when we did the wisdom series, one of the pillars of wisdom is prudence. How many of you remember what prudence means? The ability to choose right and wrong and to choose right. Prudence. God had to put that tree so that not only is Adam and Eve perfect in everything, but they were perfect in their choices. They had perfect prudence. Does that make sense? So the knowledge of good and evil. The word evil here means misery, woe, grief, harm, sorrow. Good was already known. Good was always already a personal experience. Evil was not. And God's original intent was to, that we would know good and not know evil. Get it? I have heard the command. 
in my life. Now, you've got to remember, this is, if you look in chapter 2, God commanded them. This was not a suggestion. It was not an idea. It was not something, if you feel like it, it was something that God said, don't do it. I command you, do not eat that. Right? I have heard the commands of don't in my life. I have obeyed some and I have not obeyed others. In my personal life, I have heard the command of don't drink and get drunk. Don't do that. Don't do drugs that will harm you. I've heard that command. I've heard the command, don't look at pornography, and I've, I've kind of did it. You're kind of looking at someone who, who, who hasn't done those things. And so in my life, I have a knowledge of good. And I don't have the knowledge of the evil of alcoholism. And I don't have the knowledge of drug addiction. And I don't have the knowledge of pornography in my life. Praise God. I live free from that. It's nowhere near me. I live in the the good of life. And you might be sitting here, yeah, right, that's great for you, but I have a personal keen awareness of those things. Well, let me just tell you, there's other commands that God has given me that I have chosen to break. God has said, don't be bitter. And I've chosen to be bitter. And I know the good of life, and I know the evil of bitterness. And I know what can rack in my life. He has said, don't don't be rebellious. And I have said, I'm going to be rebellious. I rebelled about being rebellious. So I know, personally, I have a personal keen awareness of the evil of rebellion in my life. So I might not have the knowledge of good and evil in some things, but I certainly do in others. And I would have to say that probably every single one of you could isolate and know that you have, been, you have walked in such a manner that has spared you the knowledge of good and evil and therefore the death of that area in your life. And you are better off for that. But there are areas that every single one of us, because we are now in the lineage of Adam and Eve, who ate from the knowledge of tree, the the tree of the knowledge of whatever it is, good and evil thingy, and brought the knowledge of all possibilities of evil into this place. In every area that I have chosen to go against the command, he says, do not be jealous. But I find myself on a daily basis breaking that command and letting my mind go. Why can't I? Where's mine? How come they have so much and I don't? It's not fair. And then I get to eat the fruit of that. And the curse becomes very alive in my life and I struggle against it every day. Man has a problem now because he now has a knowledge, a personal, keen awareness of evil. 
misery, woe, grief, harm, sorrow. Prior to this moment, he has been completely consumed with good, provision, purpose, communing with God and others, totally known and at peace, totally known. God, is, God knows Adam and Eve very closely, and they are naked before him. They stand before him, and they commune very closely, him and God. Now, all of a sudden, what do they do? They grab some fig leaves, and they sew them together. And he put them on. Can you imagine how funny they looked? The thought is that actually the, the tree, obviously the fig leaves were close by. And some, some have said that actually that tree had, was the fig tree because later Jesus cursed the fig tree. for You know, there's a lot of like theological stuff that kind of comes in. But we don't know, right? But anyway, they grabbed fig leaves. I looked up fig leaf. It's a big leaf, but it's still not big enough. <laughs> Not quite big enough. I mean, I'm sure all of you, if I could see what's in your brain right now, you're picturing it, aren't you? You're picturing little leaves sewn together. I see like three, one, two, three, right? You know, or, or like all over, maybe it was so big they just covered their whole body and they're like walking leaves. Where are you? But remember, their fig leaf coverings weren't enough. They were inadequate. So not only did they sew their leaves together, can you just see, what did they sew them together with? I don't know. Maybe like daisy chains. Have you ever made daisy chains? You know, I don't know. But it wasn't enough, so they had to hide between, behind trees too. How do you hide from God? Their first action was to cover themselves. They ran and tried to make it. Do it themselves. That is always man's first reaction when there's something of shame in your life. If you are doing something, if you're drinking, if you're doing drugs, if you're, if you're doing pornography, just name the sins. If you're jealous, if you're, you're going to try to hide it. You're going to try to do it where nobody will see because it brings shame in your life. And shame brings confusion, and shame wants to, you want to hide those things. And I will guarantee you, every single one of us is in this place. Everybody raise your hand if you're not hiding something. If you are hiding something, sorry. (laughs) Raise your hands. You're with me in this. I know you are. So man's, man's desire is to take and make a covering for themselves, to do it themselves. Did you know in the Quran? The Quran has the story of the fall. Islam believes just about every religion and every culture has us ancient ones have the story of the fall. This story. And they all handle it differently. In in the Quran, in the book of Surah, S-U-R-A, and I'll even give you the place. You can look it up. Because I don't know the Quran. Where is it? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. 726. Chapter 7, verse 26. They talk about this at this very moment, and they say, and this is their solution to the inadequacy of the fig leaf. They say, their best covering, though, your best as a human, is piety. Clothe yourself in good works. So the Quran teaches you. They believe it all the way up to this point. 
Religion is the same. It will teach you all the way up to this point. Life was used to be really, really good, and then we made this dastardly mistake, and we fell. And now you have to act really good to make up for it. Now, Islam says, now, clothe yourself in piety. Oh, girlfriend and boyfriend in here, you just got to start working really hard and you got to start being really good and you got to just show everybody on the outside how good you are. Do, 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 do. Work harder, work harder. Be better, be better. That is humanity's answer to the fall of man. How many of you have ever said, if I could just be better? I have had so many people say to me, I'll start coming to church when I start being better. No. You don't get it. How many of you can be good enough? How many of you can be good enough? I can't. I can sew fig leaves together all day long, but I'm still pretty messed up under the fig leaf. Once again, everyone sitting here, you're hiding things. You, you are behind a fig leaf. You carry shame. Let me tell you what God says about it. Because that's the very reason we come to church. That's the very reason we sing and do everything we do is this point right here. You ready? The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. God looked down, and he saw the inadequacy of their fig leaves. He saw them hiding. And this is the first recorded death in the Bible. He took an animal and slayed it, sacrificed it. It gave its life up to cover man. The blood was shed. There was a sacrifice laid. Many, many, many scholars believe that that was a lamb slain. God made them food, food, clothes, and clothed them. And the sacrificing of that blood washed them and covered their sins. God said, take the fig leaf off, guys. Come on. You, you, You can't do this. You can't do this. Look me in the eye, every single one of you sitting here. You can't do this. You can't be good enough. You can't figure this out. You can't. And we're all in the same boat, so quit pretending that you got it all together because the person, look at the person next to you. Tell them, I don't have it all together. I have problems. I still love you because I see your problems. They're sticking out behind the fig leaves. I know you're not perfect. So this room now is filled with people who are now becoming real. They're not hiding anymore. Because, see, our righteousness is, it has nothing to do with our behavior and what we can do. It has everything to do with what God has done for us. Let me show you something. Let me just show you something here really fast. And blow your brain. Ready to get, ready to get your blown brain, brain blown? Okay, so the Islamists, they believe that your best covering is piety. Clothe yourself with good works. But you know what the Bible says about that? All our righteousness is as filthy rags. All of your do-good stuff, 
stinky rags. No good, not good enough, inadequate. Isaiah 64, 6 in the King James Version, I love it. If you can pull it up in the King James faster than I can read it, then you can. It says this, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And all we do fade as leaf, as a leaf. And our iniquities, like that of the wind, have taken us away. You can't be good enough. You can't act good enough. You can't do anything good enough. You are a broken human being who has fallen from closeness with God. You, are, you can't stand naked and unashamed because you carry so much shame. We have sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Dwayne talked many times about what would life be like if we didn't have sin and shame in us. Now we know good and evil. And we are not allowed to eat anymore from the tree of life. Adam and Eve are banished. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the conversation as they're walking out of the garden? You did this. No, I didn't. You did this. I did not. You did this. It was the serpent. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We're leaving Eve, Eden. What would it be like as they're walking away, walking into thorns and thistles? I wanted to show you something here. Would you turn to the very... We've read the first three chapters of the Bible. Let's turn to the last chapter. Because I want you to see something very, very amazing. Because we don't know what happened to that tree. Because obviously it's not there now. Turn over to Revelation 22. I'm going to blow your brain out. Let's start with chapter 1, or verse 1. Chapter 22 of Revelation. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. And I'm going to be done in 30 seconds. As clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. The tree of life. There it is. Bam. Heaven. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will see him and they will see his face. Sounds kind of like being naked and not ashamed any longer. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give them light. What was the first thing that God created? What was the first thing he said? Let there be light. The first intent for your life is to be filled with light and not darkness. But here's the restoration right here. And they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servant the things that must soon take place. Now flip over to uh, verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the end, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Wait a minute, wash their robes. I thought my, my uh, righteousness was like a filthy rag. What's this new robe thing? 
They wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life. But outside of the dogs who practice magic arts and sexual immorality and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So now we know of the tree of the life that stood in the Garden of Eden and what the garden was supposed to be like and what life, and they were naked and not ashamed, and then they fell and they broke, and now we have this knowledge of good and evil. Now we know of the tree now stands at the very end, the last chapter, and it's there once we get there. And we can eat of the tree, and we can have the healing of the nations and, and everything. But what about all this in-between? How many of you are living in the in-between? There's another tree. There's another tree. It stood on Golgotha. And the lamb that was slain before the very foundations of the earth hung on that tree. And just as that lamb or whatever animal that was was slain by God to cover him and to put clothes upon them and to cover the, take care of their shame and take care of all of that kind of thing, now the true lamb is slain. True deity shedding its blood. To not now cover our sins, but to wash our sins away. To take care of all this shame. Because God doesn't want this shame to stand between us and him. He wants us to be naked before him once again. And that he would, but we so, so many times, we know our brokenness. We know our failings. We know what we have done wrong. And it's so hard to turn to a holy God because we're embarrassed and we're ashamed. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. See if I can find it quickly. Can you get it up there? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. I don't want to take any more of your time. But I feel your hearts right now are so open to this. Come on. 6, 7. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral or the idolater or nor adulterers nor male prostitutes or homosexual offenders nor thieves nor greedy nor drunkards nor slanders nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I think I read that in Revelation 22. That the ones that have washed their robes, the door is wide open. But for those who have not, who have chosen to not, they are still outside. It's their choice. It's not God's. And that is what some of you were. That is what I was. That's what I want to be on a daily basis sometimes. It's a struggle and a fight. Raise your hand if you feel the struggle and the fight sometimes. But you were washed. You. You were sanctified. How many in this room has accepted Christ as their personal Savior? You. You have been washed. 
The blood of the lamb, the perfect lamb was slain. And you've been washed. You, 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 don't, you don't get it. You've been washed. Now, I haven't done drugs. I haven't done alcohol. I haven't done pornography. I've never had an affair. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Yeah, girlfriend, but you have your heart is dirty with jealousy. Your heart is smudged with pride. Your heart, you have a knowledge of evil. Every one of us does. Therefore, every one of us needs the blood of Jesus. Every one of us stand at the foot of the cross. And if you know of a Christian, if you know of anyone who stands there in pride and arrogance, you just say, just pray for them. They got to get it one of these days. But I'll tell you what, every single one of you and me and me and the greatest drug addict, we're going to stand right next to each other in the need of the cross, of the blood of Jesus. Because we all have this knowledge of good and, and evil inside of us. But let me tell you something. If you still walk in shame, you got something wrong. You didn't do it. You're not thinking right. Why did God do it? Why did he send his son? Because he wanted to wash us. He wanted us to be able to come before him just as we are. Just as we are with all of our stupid things that we just did last minute. Because I don't know about you, but it's always dogging me. But he wants you. Whether you've killed a person or you've turned drugs. you're washed that you stand up and your shame is gone has anyone here walked truly walked and had that feeling of the shame washed away hallelujah I stand here next to you I don't know I don't know what God's had to wash off you but I know what he's washed off me I can go into the throne room of God boldly. There's no shame. And if Jesus can't do it for you because your sin is too big, then it's all a farce. It's all a joke. There's not one sin sitting in this room. It's too big. is what some of you were but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified just as if I'd never sinned in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God now when I look at you I don't look at you in the manner of what you used to be I don't look at you in the manner of your flesh and when you look at you 
the manner of the flesh or by what you used to be. But you look at yourself right now and you say, I'm washed. I'm washed. I'm washed. I have no shame. Stand, even now, stand. I want you to consider in your mind what you would be like. How would you feel had you never sinned? And then I got news for you. The blood of Jesus makes you just as if I'd never sinned. Throw your hands in the air right now. Father God, in Jesus' name right now, we accept the blood of Jesus. We accept the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to work hard for this. I don't have to clothe myself with piety and with good deeds because I could never do them right. How many could do them right? Not me, not me. Oh, but Father God, oh, wash us in the blood. Lord Jesus, you've taken my shame away. Why do I walk in it still? That is a vestige that's a lie from the pit of hell to keep you separated from your maker. Get rid of it right now. Walk away from it. Throw it away. Grab it right now. What would you act like if you had never sinned? How would you feel right now? You would feel light and full of love. And you could come to God. And you could come and face him. And he could see all that is in you. And you would not be ashamed. And that's where you're at right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's the Bible. I just got you from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22. What do you think? That's what it's all about. Now turn to your neighbor.